Hello, hello, you're listening to Holding Space for Therapists, the podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy. If you are listening to this episode on the day that it launched, so today is November 18th, 2019, then the doors to Modern Therapist Academy are still open. Modern Therapist Academy is my comprehensive digital course for modern therapists interested in building or growing a sustainable, profitable, and meaningful private practice. The doors opened last week and enrollment is open until November 27th when they'll close for good for this year. All right, now let's talk about the episode. In today's episode, I have Dr. Tracy Dalgleish. And Dr. Tracy and I are in this episode talking about and sharing about our experiences in owning our own businesses, starting private practices, while also being moms. Dr. Tracy and I discuss some of the challenges that we've experienced as clinicians and parents, how we navigate boundaries with clients, how we set up our schedules, and how we try to make it all work. Um, We also explore some of the joys and meaning that we've discovered as working moms. Dr. Tracy shares some of her specific systems, rituals, and routines that have really helped her in being a business owner while also being a parent. And we also cover a topic that I hope that more women entrepreneurs begin to talk about, and that's money and finances and setting your fee and owning your worth. All right. I'm so excited to get a chance to share this conversation with you. So let's get to it. You're listening to Holding Space for Therapists, a podcast for modern therapists. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and I'm passionate about supporting therapists and building profitable, sustainable, and meaningful private practices. Are you ready to build or grow your modern private practice? Let's dive in. Hello, Dr. Tracy. Thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation with me today all about parenthood and private practice. I know we've gotten a chance to talk about this before on Instagram Live, Mm -hmm. and I'm just so excited to get a chance to dive deeper into it with you and have a space where it's saved forever, not just 24 (laughs) hours. Because after we had that conversation, so many therapists reached out and they were like, where can I, where can I like watch that conversation again? Or where can I hear some of this again? And I I just, I'm so grateful to you for taking the time to do this with me again and and just dive a little bit deeper. Absolutely. And thank you so much for reaching out. I, this is one of my passion topics. So I'm so glad we get to sit and chat more about this. Me too. Well, let's dive right in. First, though, I would love to hear a little bit of your context to share with any of the podcast listeners. So just a little bit about your background and how you came to do the work that you do and have the passions that you have. Mm -hmm. So I help individuals and couples navigate the challenges that we all face in our relationships and within ourselves to create a more meaningful life. And I do that through individual and couple therapy, through wellness seminars, uh, recently releasing an e-course, having a podcast, and through my social media accounts. Um, I also provide clinical supervision and consultation to other psychologists and therapists. And this is one of my favorite roles to be in, is to really help other therapists uh, come into the therapist that they want to be. Um, But I'm also the owner of Integrated Wellness, a mental health clinic here in Ottawa, 
We are a group of practitioners providing psychological assessment diagnoses and individual couple and family therapy. You're doing so many things, Tracy. So you're, I mean, we'll dive into the the nitty gritty later of how you're managing all of that because I know you're also a parent, Um, but that's, yeah, you're doing all the things, a lot. All the things. There are so many things. And you know, it's funny. A lot of people having that one dimension, right? So the outside perspective of how are you doing all these things? And and I know people look at my Instagram account and think, how are you doing it? And, you know, I have to truly say I have such a supportive partner that if it wasn't for all of his support and the help with the children and helping to nurture that I love doing all of this stuff, I really couldn't be doing this all on my own. And all that to say, I, I also need to get a virtual assistant to help do all the things. <laughs> I know you can relate to that. Oh, yes, I can. And I and you know this, I recently did hire a virtual assistant yes. and it has I it has literally been a huge game changer because yes. yes I also I have a I have a supportive partner I also have family that lives within a few blocks of us and oh, that has been so because people will ask like how are you how do you like as a mother to two and right. doing all of these pieces how do you how do you manage that and the truth is is that I, it's not just me managing it you know I right. really and it was hard at first to rely on our support system as much as we do but mm-hmm. because I love what I do and because loving what I do and getting a chance to do it allows me to be a better more present parent um when I am with my family then leaning on the supports was was a no-brainer um, for oh, us. Uh, but yes, the virtual assistant has been a game changer. Like, because even <laughs> with that help, I needed more of the business help. And so that was a huge step for me. I love how you say, you know, connecting with what's important to you. Cause it's a question that I ask myself a lot, especially when it comes to opening a business, to doing Instagram work or e-courses and podcasting, is that it really has to come from a place of what what fills me up. And what I also like to let others know is that I actually don't see clients five days a week. So while I do Mm. do some of my, you know, fun stuff on the weekends or in the evenings, I do have a day a week that is designed whether I need to do my appointments or whether I need to do podcasting or, you know, creating. So it's not for my, it's actually for my own health that I can't see clients five days a week. And it's something that I've come to accept and learn about um, my own wellness in terms of what I can manage. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, me too. Yeah. I, um, I see clients three days a week, uh, three days a week. And I try uh-huh. really hard to be pretty boundaried around those other two days during my work week where I am doing, yeah, working on other projects. Um, right. And and I don't know about you in terms of hours, but um, becoming a mom really, I became quite boundaried around like my hours in terms of when I see clients. Interestingly, I feel like after I became a mom, all of a sudden my time became that much more precious and I became, I was so much more clear about what my boundaries were. I mean, trust me, the yeah. like road to that was messy and like plenty <laughs> of pain points where I realized like, wow, this is not where I want to be right now. I'm starting to resent this. You know, whether it's like I want to be, you know, I want to be able to have the time and space to be responding to things and I'm not creating enough, enough space for it. And so I'm starting to like find that that's creeping into my family time or I'm at work and I'm seeing a client 
at a time when I'd prefer to be home. And so right. those pain points really supported me making those decisions around what are my boundaries going to be? Because it was, yeah, time became that much more precious. Yeah. And, you know, actually becoming a mom has also changed my own career path. And so I can completely relate to that in terms of the boundaries and what we need. So I I always knew I wanted to be in private practice, um, largely because of my work with couples. Most hospital and public funded settings don't support couples therapy work. Um, so when yeah. I graduated, I actually got a job and I created the psychologist position at a family health team. And I was there for three days a week. So what that means is that um, patients of the family health team get services for free, uh, which was such a great experience. I absolutely loved my work there. Uh, it was so diverse. It was really great. And at the time I was there three days a week and then one day a week in private practice. But I noticed that, so I returned there after my first maternity leave and I noticed that I was feeling that pull of, you know, talking about the boundaries piece of the hours aren't working for me. The commute um, was 35 minutes. There's just something like the schedule was more rigid. I didn't have as much flexibility. And so I actually decided that after my second maternity leave, I left my pub public job at the family health team and went full-time private practice to have that flexibility to set my own schedule and um, really to nurture that you know, I don't like the word work-life balance, but to nurture the the mom role and the professional role. Yeah. I, you know, I have a lot of clinicians who will ask about that transition piece. So the transition from maybe working at an agency or uh -huh. a community center or, um, you know, working in a setting like that and then taking the step into private practice because maybe they are, you know, saying that like, you know, really connecting with the value of freedom and flexibility. And, you know, maybe that's because they recently became a parent or they are a parent. I, I was in yeah. a similar boat of just really wanting that freedom and flexibility that came with private practice. But there's that transition period of, right, of like, okay, how, like, when's the right time to like fully jump in and take mm -hmm. the leap? Um, how do I do that both financially and logistically? And, and, you know, again, every individual person's situation and context is different. You know, for some, right. that financial burden isn't as much of a stressor. Um, for others, it's like they're supporting their family by the work that right. they're doing. And the security and stability of maybe their agency position makes it really difficult to mm. to take the leap. There's of the course. stress of that. Um, and I'm, I, I, I truly believe that we can have stability and security in private practice, um, but there's there's that transition time, right? That's like, and it's scary. And I'm curious, oh, yeah. you know, just for you, what did that look like? Yeah, so it's a little bit different because I was on maternity leave and coming back. So I yeah, knew, yeah. I mean, you talk about being scared and uncertain. Yes, because I, you know, many of my clients might not come back to me that I was only seeing one day a week. So there was that risk that some, and actually some that I thought would didn't, and, and that happens. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was risky because here I am now looking to book up four days a week instead of just one, and that my income doesn't have that stability be behind what the family health team was giving me. So there was definitely a lot of fear. Um the transition itself was just, oh boy, <laughs> the transition, I just went head first and I took on so yeah. many new clients. 
The security for me was to actually join a group practice. So I know for some people, you can go two ways into private practice. You can join an established group um, where you know that referrals are coming into their main system. And so then you're not having to do all of the marketing on your own. Um, But the other piece then is if you do decide to go on your own, then you do need to look at your own marketing. Um, And that can be scary. And again, everybody has to decide what's going to be right for them. I know. So in Ottawa, what's different here is we have um, a lot of federal and provincial employees here and their benefits are, are just unreal. So they're supported for psychological services. Um, so that is also a sense of safety in the sense of income yeah. and knowing yeah. that the flow of clients exists. And I know for some people in the States, they'll work with maybe insurance companies and that helps yeah. to, I mean, you would be able to speak better to that than I would. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely think that for a lot of people, and and sometimes this option doesn't isn't doesn't super clear right off the bat. But yes, absolutely. When you step into a group practice, there's there is that sense of like not only community but security and stability because you know that referrals are coming in. Um, and yes, and then insurance panels as well are definitely an option. Um, here mm-hmm. in the states, in terms of knowing that you're going to be on on those, you know, paneled in 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 network, and that's going to definitely make you very marketable to people, especially those who are, are and a lot of folks who are hoping to use their insurance for mental health care. Um, I I actually took like I I did neither of those things, so I was <laughs> but I was teaching, so I was teaching in that like the teaching position. Um, I was yeah. teaching adjunct and I was teaching right out of grad school. I was teaching two courses um, at a local university, and that really helped um, sort of make me a little bit feel a little bit more secure in taking the leap into starting my own practice and not going in network with insurance companies. Um, But I mean, again, I had to like really hone in on the marketing skills because, you know, it was all on me. Um, And I really, my goal was to fill my practice, you know, have a full practice, you know, maybe not a wait list, but a full practice, you know, by the two month mark. And I was able to, but it was like, it took, it took. It also took a lot of me integrating other parts of myself that I had initially thought weren't going to be a part of my therapist identity, like the creative mm. parts and yeah, the 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 part you know the design, the marketing, the branding, like right. all of those things. Um, and then also just honing in on the skills that I think a lot of us have, which is building community and connections, and you know, Absolutely. allowing for allowing for that to support your practice as well. And I think there's this other delicate balance in private practice where, you know, I remember one psychologist saying to me, it can take a year before you have a wait list, right? So putting benchmarks for yourself. um, I also got full at two months. Um, Those first two months were were just crazy looking back um, with just the number of intakes and the number of new people you're meeting and trying to flush out the, the early stuff. Um, but giving yourself permission to take the year that it's going to take time to build up um, and also to that um, there's going to be a lot of ebbs and flows in private practice. Some weeks you you might be a little bit slower and other weeks you might be booking in some additional sessions because people really need to be seeing you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know that first year for me 
um, not realizing that like there are just going to be certain months, like for me specifically, it's typically January and July that are just slower. And so sort of financially creating a cushion for that and being prepared for that. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, as, as a parent, um, you know, it's, it's not just, it's not just me that we're, we're, you know, that I'm supporting at, at this point in time, my husband and I have kind of switched places as he's sort of slowing down. Um, I'm supporting our family more financially at this point in time. And yeah, it's just, there's, there can be some fear there, especially in private practice when you're like, gosh, how, how right. can I anticipate every month how much I'm going to be bringing in? Um, yeah. And for me, diversifying my income as well as um, cre- like being, you know, smart in terms of setting my fee and setting aside cushions for the fact that there will be some ebbs and flows has been really important because there is that that added stressor of, okay, like it's not just me I'm trying to support here. It's it's my my entire family. Of course. So when we think about um, kind of adjusting with kids, something that I wasn't expecting to happen within nine months of returning from my my leave and having two small children at home, so now they're four and a half and two years old, yeah. but I didn't expect that I would open my own private practice. So yeah. I returned back to my group practice and it was going really well full time, but I kept feeling that pull of inflexibility again. Um, I could only mm. use the office during a certain times. So it had to be blogged. And I actually posted this on Instagram once. You know, my mornings looked like this. I would wake up at six, get ready. I would nurse my daughter. And then there's this picture of me on the floor. And I'm nursing my daughter in my pajamas. Coffee's beside me. My son is sitting in front of me. The dog's looking at what we're doing. And literally yeah. 15 minutes after that, we are in the car, packed up, driving me to work, and then I'm seeing clients within another 15 minutes. And it was just, it was just chaotic. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. we got through it. We got through it. We survived. But yeah. I kept thinking, you know, I don't know how much longer I can keep doing this. And yeah. I kept feeling that pull to develop something for myself. I wanted to be closer to home. The drive was not as long as the other drive, but I just needed something different. And with the help of my partner, like the collaboration and the support, he's done all the numbers. So we decided to open up my own clinic here. And what's funny about this wow. is I kept telling him in five years, I said, I don't, I don't know why, but I just kept saying in five years, I'll think about opening something on my own in five years. Yeah. Um, just not now. And then it just happened. It was a lot of work, but then it yeah. just happened. And ever since then, I've just had so much gratitude and so much joy for showing up in my space and for the work I'm doing and for what I'm creating. And I just, I, I couldn't even imagine being here before. Mm. And so, I mean, yeah, I can just imagine the amount of work that went into that. And so I've got to believe that there are some pretty clear values for you that had to be there as showing up as like your compass, your GPS, or or just sort of the fire behind you to keep you going as you were starting that. And what would you say those values are that really drove that decision for you and have supported you in the process of actually creating it? So I'm going to actually label this first one because a lot of women, specifically women, don't tend to talk about this. And I kept saying to my partner, 
I want to take home more of my money. Yep. And in, in every role that I've been in, in every contract that I've had, I've actually ended up negotiating my money and in negotiating a higher price or taking home more of my money. And I think that is really okay. important for women to give themselves permission to do this, that we work hard and that we have the right yeah. to be able to do this. Mm. Oh, I could not agree with you more. And it's been, I'm going to just be transparent. And I was just having this conversation with somebody last week that, you know, as, as I am creating, you know, uh, I've created an e-course for therapists, um, supporting their business, the private practice, the modern therapist Academy. And I have always struggled with like, I'm I'm not afraid to put the numbers out there in terms of like here are the costs of business, but like right. I've had a hard time like owning the fact that like, hey, I've built a really successful but also very profitable business, and I want to support you in doing the same. And I've I've like played around with like why is it hard for me to just like own the fact mm-hmm. that like we're also in this to like bring home good money to support our families, yeah. right? Like we're working hard, and we should also be getting paid well, right? And like that's a part Absolutely. of owning a business. But I think that there is just obviously there's there's gender discourse in there, right? Of like as a woman, yeah. like owning, like owning the money piece and like that we're also and I think also as a helper, like in a helping profession, right? To say that like we can have really meaningful practices where we are supporting people and we are mm-hmm. also aligning with our values of like making our practices access accessible to to our communities and like we can do that while also well, also like making good money that we have that we have earned for the work that we are doing, right? And being able to support our families uh, with that. So I love, I love that you, I love that you led with that. Thank you. Yes, it's so important. So the the other piece is for me the value of flexibility. You know, rigidity is when we get stuck. And when I think of what I was doing before, I was getting rigid in my schedule. And just to give you an idea, so when, when I talk about this, this is a, a way of practicing that I now know doesn't work for me. And we all have to find what works for each person. So what works yeah. for one person isn't going to work for someone else. But I I had a nine hour block in the day and I would go in and I would, I would like to give myself half hour preparation, but I'd see my client at 8 a.m. I would see four back to back and then I would take an hour lunch and then I would see four more back to back. And so I would be gone from the house from 7.15 in the morning and I wouldn't get home because I either had to take the bus. We're only a one car family and I either took the bus or I walked home, which was great. I enjoyed the walking, but it was 50 minutes. So I wouldn't get home until 5.50 and I was just spent and it wasn't, you know, I was getting stuck in rigidity. And then what I was doing was, oh, one more client. Okay. I'll see nine clients back to back. I mean, this is a recipe for burnout for me. (laughs) Oh, Um, yes. Right. And I was eating like a squirrel in between sessions and, you know, I I was was doing great work. I wasn't, I had nothing left for when I got home. So rigidity is not good. Flexibility is important, but then also the, you know, being able to have energy left for my family, that is a huge value of mine that I don't want to go home having just emptied myself all day to then have nothing left and be irritable and impatient with my children. I mean, it's just not, my kids didn't sign up for that. It's not fair to them. And it's not the parent that I want to be. I want to be connected with them. I want to be, 
Yeah. So, so now my commute is a five minute walk down the street. I get to set my own hours. Mm. I see six people. I take lots of breaks and I get home and I, I mean, I have breakfast with my kids first. I get to sit down with them now, but then I also get to pick them up and have more time with them. And that was just so important for me to balance this, uh, this season or this time in my life is to have both. Mm. Mm. Oh, I love, I love these values that you're speaking of. And I just know, I know from working with therapists who are moms who are navigating this or therapists who are parents or dads that like this, that the values that you're naming right here are so many people could connect with this. So yeah. many therapists can connect with those values. I love that you led with the fact that you're like, you know, I'm working hard and I deserve my, like I am worthy of making a good income for the work mm-hmm. that I'm doing. Um, and also this this freedom, this freedom piece and flexibility piece. But I'm also hearing there's like an like I'm, I'm not sure what you would name it as a value, but like this energy and like maybe it's presence, presence as a value. Is that what you would call that last one you just described? Yeah, or, or I might even use the term being, just having this space to oh, be, right? Yeah. Like as caregivers, we're so good at doing. And this is this is the kind of like balance I'm trying to have with the Instagram and my marketing stuff is that I love doing this stuff, but it really is a doing space. And, you know, we all have yeah. professional degrees. We've all done more. You know, we are, right? So it's more about finding being, just being in my in my life. That's really important. Mm. Uh, it's so easy, I think, being a business owner with all the things to just fill up all of the in-between moments with mm-hmm. with doing, right? With something that you're doing. Yeah. And oh, that's something that I am consistently having to come back to is like that that value. And yeah, I, I think I've called it presence in the past, in the past, but I love, I love that word being, oh my gosh, I could, if I could integrate more of that, that's, that's, yeah, I think that's consistently showing up as sort of a compass for me of, of where I want to land back at, you know, and it's so easy yeah. to get off course because, it, oh, because course. again, I think that, you know, when you love what you do and there's energy there, it, it, it can be hard to say, no to the the client that comes in that wants to schedule with you or right. with the opportunity or the idea, right? Of the new podcast episode you want to record or the new project <laughs> that you want to start. Oh, girl. Yes. But I yeah. think that it's when you when you say yes to when you say yes to that, you're inevitably saying no to something else. And so oh, it's course. consistently coming back to like, okay, this sounds exciting. I just got inspired or there's this idea or there's this client that would just be such a good fit. And if I say yes to this, I have to look at what I'm, what, what, what will I be saying no to? Right. You know, and being able to negotiate, like, is that something that I'm okay saying no to? And sometimes the answer is yes. But a lot uh-huh. of times when we put the thought into it, the answer is actually no, I'm not okay saying no to whatever this other thing is, whether it's more time to just be whether it's time to go for a walk, whether it's time, right. you know, that extra 15, 20 minutes at home with my kids before their bedtime, oh, right? Like it's, yeah, it's, it's always sort of coming back to these questions of, can I say yes to this? Cause I'm okay with saying no to what I would inevitably be saying no to. And I think this goes back to what you said about the time that you see clients and becoming a parent actually with two children. So when I had my son, I was working 
two nights um, out of my schedule. And I was okay with it at the time. But then having two children, I couldn't justify being away at night. And I started saying no to evening clients that, you know, you don't want to see me at night. I'm not at my best. You want to see me in the morning when I'm at my best, right? But but being able to say no to that actually means that I am – just supporting my clients in such a healthier way. I'm showing up for them um, and I'm giving them the best care. Yes. Yeah. And I think that, you know, when I stretch my boundaries and then I sit with my clients and they share with me the ways in which they're stretching their boundaries and it doesn't feel right. And I'm there, you know, working with them on, okay, how can we come back to what your values are and how these values might inform the boundaries that you want to hold, right? Right. And I'm there stretching my boundaries and seeing them <laughs> at <laughs> Yeah, it's just it doesn't Yeah, there's I'm I'm totally out of alignment in those moments, which I've totally right. been there, right? Because again, totally human over here. Um uh-huh. but I think that it's yeah, I think that it's it's coming back to, okay, if I say yes to a client at this appointment time, what am I saying no to? And can I commit to this? Is this going to be sustainable? And right. you know, I think again, for some, for some parents, getting a chance to be with their kids who maybe aren't in school yet or whatever the situation might be, maybe they're um they're doing some sort of hybrid homeschooling model, whatever the case might be, maybe sometimes being home in those morning hours or for that first half of the day makes total sense. And then seeing clients in the evening afternoon is like the perfect fit for them. So there's not a one size fits all model for this, but again, it's looking at what's like in terms of these boundaries, what works for me and my family and what, how does this sort of align with the things that are most important to me and how I want to show up both at work and at home. I think this leads into another good point too, and that is the idea about having a hard stop. And mm-hmm. it, it's easy to let work consume our minds. Uh, I know for myself that just easily happens. You know, you've already mentioned it, how you get ideas and you want to create. And it, it really is about learning to pause. And for me, having a hard stop means tuning in and being firm and setting my boundaries. So instead of working that eight to five, I decide then I don't want to see clients after 4 p.m. And so 4 p.m. was a hard stop and I wouldn't be involved in work between four to seven. And I might check my emails after seven when the kids go to bed or I might not. It depends on the night or it depends on what's going on. Um, But really giving yourself permission to do that and to separate the spaces I think can be important. So the we know we talked about this before, you and I, the virtual assistant, um, hiring a virtual assistant has been very supportive for me in that because I yeah. think that a lot of the support that I'm getting from the virtual assistant, um, and again, for anybody who's listening who, who doesn't know what a virtual assistant is, a virtual assistant is basically somebody who works remotely um, and can support you in administrative pieces, so scheduling, emails. Um, my VA actually helps specifically for me, with me on um, content creation, social media, my newsletters, and just sort of organizing um, my sort of marketing content for the, like, you know, we, we have like a three-month sort of calendar that we, we create to, you know, create content out, and she helps with all of that. It has been so helpful because, you know, during the hours that I'm in my office, I'm typically seeing clients or I'm recording podcasts or I'm working on my e-course. 
And then all the other pieces to get it, to be able to, to be able to market that work out there and share it with my communities. That was sort of, that was the thing that was like really bleeding into my hours at home. Um, and, you know, and even, even after the kids go to bed, like I want some time with my partner. And so it was so easy for all of that to creep in there. And so uh-huh. it's been really helpful to have somebody who can support me with that. And so my VA is actually a um, therapist graduate student. So she's in grad school right now, um, training to be a therapist, which helps because she really understands yes. business. Um, and it's, it's just been, it's been a game changer. Um, so she helps right now 10 hours a week. Um, but again, you know, a VA can, can do just a few hours a week if that was something that was really helpful. And it's, it's great for them because she's getting a chance to sort of see the business side of being a clinician and the creative side. Um, and it's been really, really helpful for me as somebody who just needed to get my head above water with some of this stuff and get some support on it. Right. I mean, so, you get to put the ideas out there and then someone else can help support you to create it, right? That it's it's yeah. it's almost like being willing to accept. And I know I'm coming to this place as well. Uh, accept that you can't do it all, <laughs> right? Yes. That you don't that have to do okay. it all. And that we don't have to do it all. And again, you know, it, the a VA is just one sort of layer and level of support, but I have there are, I have so many people that are helping us continue to move forward in our family life, like you know yes. our caregivers that that help you know pick up the kids from school, um, and you know my partner and I like really negotiating what the plan is like every week, like every Sunday we have a state of the union where we just sit down oh, and we talk about. Yeah. And we talk about the week and like what the expectations are and who's going to do what. And also just a check in about how we're feeling about who's doing what. Right. Because again, one of our big values is, you know, respect and reciprocity and equality and all of that. And obviously there are times where like, I just need him to do more. And there are times when he needs me to do more, but um, it's just, it's again, in order for us, because he owns his own business as well. And in order for us to be on the same page and to be connected to the family values that we have while also both working because in the city we live in and just because also our passions, it's important that we have this dual income. You know, it's it's so important that we're on the same page, but that we're also willing to bring people in to support us and help us. Yes. Yes. That's so important. So I'm curious, are there any sort of systems or rituals? So, you know, I just shared one of ours every Sunday we get together and we sort of map out the plans for the week. Any systems or rituals or routines that have helped you? I know that when you and I were on the Instagram live, you shared that you have some of these sort of rituals that you do um, when you pass the threshold from work life to home life that I I loved. Um, But I just would love to hear here on the podcast, yeah, any of those systems, rituals, or routines that you've sort of put in place that have really supported you being in private practice and being a parent. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, and I and I know what we're talking about. The biggest thing for me is about transitioning. And when we think of our children, we often think and help our children with transitions, right? So going from daycare to home, we know there's this transition period. Or you know, if they're hanging out with you and then they're at a birthday party, children need to transition, but adults right. also need to transition. So I like to spend time putting, you know, I kind of use this analogy of putting all of the work stuff into a box and I leave it in my office and I walk home and I do a lot of 
getting present and mindfulness, kind of the the walking mindfulness uh, on my way home. And this allows me to just you know clear my mind, get into my own space, uh, and just shift gears. And, and mm-hmm. it's often the debate. I, I love information and learning new things. And I often want to put on a podcast or call call a friend. And sometimes I will, but for the most part, I will walk home and just look up, notice the trees changing mm. when, you know, the fall, it's been beautiful, noticing the cars passing by and just getting really present. And then when I walk into the door, I don't have the weight of everything that's just happened with me. Um, and, and I do it the same way going to work. So again, you know, putting all of the tantrums and the meltdowns and how hard it was to get the kids off, you know, put that in a box, yes. leave that there and then transition off to work. And I have found this to be one of the best ways for me um, to just be where I am. It's not always easy, but it, it helps me a lot. Of course. And, and of course it's not easy, but it is so powerful. When I was in grad yeah. school, I mean, that was just a crazy crazy time in our life. I had a toddler. Um, I got pregnant. I had a baby towards the end. Uh-huh. And I was, commuting, I was commuting two hours to school and two hours back uh, twice a week and, and seeing clients. And I remember I we had a chalkboard that my daughter used to love to play with. And I wrote, I saw this somewhere. I don't know where I saw it, but I ended up writing on the chalkboard at one point because I needed it. Wherever you are, be all there. And yeah. again, that was never done perfectly or seamlessly. It was such a messy process. But, you know, I'd be in our, you know, in my playing with my daughter and I'd see the chalkboard and I'd be like, okay, where was your mind just at? Like, come back here, like land back yeah. here. And I actually found that in my experience in grad school that allowing myself permission to wherever I was to be all there was so helpful. And again, there were plenty of moments where I'd start to feel guilty. You know, the fact that like I wasn't responding to emails right away um, from, you know, teachers or other students that I was in class with, or I wasn't doing all of the exact reading I was supposed to be doing, or that I, when I was with my daughter, that I was emailing and not being present, you know, like plenty of moments of just that guilt that kind of seeps in or like, Oh. oh, I'm not I'm not being present, you know, or I'm not being fully here, or I am being fully here and I'm not doing other things. Uh, it's just such a, it can be such a, a vicious cycle of guilt. Yes, absolutely. Um, but, you know, I found that the more that I allowed myself to just be present, it made those transitions so much easier because I was ready. I was ready to come back into that other part of my life, whether it was right. in my role as a parent or in my in, in my identity as a growing professional. I think the other thing to add here too, Cassidy, is that we need to take breaks. And it sounds silly to actually say it out loud, but and a lot of people say, yes, I know. But from what I see, I see a lot of clinicians pushing themselves. And naturally, because we are caregivers, right? We want to care for people. We want to look after other people, but we have to be honest with ourselves. Um, You know, sometimes, some days I will see two clients, I'll take a break. I'll see two clients, I'll take a break, and I'll see two more. Or other days I might see three, I'll take an hour-long break, and then I see a few more. But it really is about giving yourself that permission to stretch. You know, I I don't eat my lunch sitting at my chair. I sit on the floor or, you know, go for the walk around the block. Like, just take those breaks because that is so important for the long run. Yeah. Last week, last week I actually like in between clients and it was only like a 10 minute break in between clients. I like, I like 
took my shoes off and I laid on my couch and I just closed my <laughs> eyes and I was like, if anybody saw me right now, they'd be like, what is she doing? But I, but again, it was one of those days where I had, I had just stacked it too full and yes. I, my body and my heart and my mind were desperate for a break. And right. And again, you know, so I think that it's it's in those moments when some a client reaches out and they really want to take that twelve o'clock slot, you know, are they that's that's what's going to work best for them? I have to ask myself, is it okay? Is it going to work best for me? Like, will I actually be able to show up for them in the way that they need? Right. And for my clients following, and then and then home because it can be it's this pile up effect of not giving ourselves that space and. You know, right. I think that scarcity mindset and just the fear of like, there aren't going, there isn't going to be enough. There aren't going to be enough clients. I have to take them all in. I have to make it work. It just, it just gets in the way of us being able to to sustain the work that we're doing. So it ends up, I, at least for me, I have found it ends up hurting me. You know, in the future. Absolutely, in in the long run, for sure. And it, I, I almost burned out. In and I think you got a message from me back in March. I almost burned out yeah. because. There was just yeah. so much on my plate and I wasn't taking breaks. And this had just come out. I created my own website. I was Instagramming like crazy. I was podcasting. Yeah. I took a vacation and I was still podcasting and Instagramming. And, you know, it just like oh, we have to take yeah. breaks. We're we're human. We, we need to be able to do this. And yeah. it, it's okay to step back. Um, and actually, you know, funny enough, we had to re-record, we had to reschedule our meeting today because you were sick last week, but yeah. I ended up taking a sick day on Friday because I wasn't feeling well. And yeah. I'm kind of, I don't know, this kind of sounds silly, but I was linking it to the stages of grief of how to decide to make, to take a sick day yeah. as a clinician. <laughs> oh, but, no, you know, I can totally relate to that. It is so hard for me to take a sick yeah. day. And I shared that I took two sick days last week on the Holding Space for Therapists um, private Instagram community. And so many folks reached out, sent DMs, and they're like, I am so bad at taking a sick day. Like, I will just, yeah. I will just, I'll just continue, I'll see clients. Like, I'll work through it. Or I will, you know, won't, maybe won't see them in person. So I'm not coughing all over them, but I'll do teletherapy with them, which still right. counts as working, you know? Right. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I think that there's there's the financial worries, which again, for me, I can relate to that totally. And I've it's why I sort of I set like a formula for myself of how I was gonna set my fee to take into consideration the fact that I'm not gonna be working every week out of the year. Like I'm going Absolutely. to need breaks and I'm going to want to take breaks. And I have to consider that when I'm setting my fees. Um and so yeah, it's just it's it's really taking proactive steps to protect mm. yourself and your business because we need to be able to continue to continue to do the work that we do and sustain it. And that that means taking those breaks, just like you're saying. Absolutely. Mm. So the other tool that I like to use is time blocking. Um, and that's around, you know, when am I doing my notes? When do I do emails? Yeah. When am I doing phone calls? Um, because otherwise, you know, particularly with email, we know that it just takes up so much of our time. Yes. Um, so really being able to set time to do that specifically. And I do, my own personal practice is to finish my billing at the end of the day. I find if I don't take, you know, maybe 10, 15 minutes at the, at the end of the day, I'm more likely to make mistakes in my billing. Yes. And ultimately, we need to be responsible for this because that's our money that we're earning and that we should be getting back. 
Right. No, exactly. Yes. And so you're creating out blocks to be doing this work. Um, as some people call it, you know, batch batching their work. So they're carving out yeah. space to sit in and like do it when they, you know, do it at the time that's going to be the best in terms of like, you know, mm-hmm. cognitively and attention wise, like when you're going to have right. the space and energy to be doing that work. Yeah. When it comes to my notes, I find that I do my note. I love when I get, when I carve out space to do my notes, actually for me first thing in the morning, because I am just at, I'm so much clearer in my head in the morning than at the end of a long day mm. after some clients. And so, you know, I, um, I typically love to do my notes first thing in the morning. It just, it kind of like sets the stage where like, I've, I've checked off boxes. I'm already feeling good about it. And I'm just that much more clear in the morning. And for myself, I know that I know that to be the case. Right. Yeah, definitely knowing what what's going to work best for you. Exactly. Okay, so we're coming to the end of our time here, Tracy, but I I know that you have so many incredible things going and offerings and where can people find you? Absolutely. So people can find me on my website, drtracyd.com, or I like to hang out on Instagram at dr.tracyd. Um, I'm also excited to share that the doors of our e-course are opening up this for a second time on November 15th. And we've had such positive responses from the first round of people who took the course. It's called From Stress to Balance, Tools to Help You Live Your Best Life. And it's targeting busy women and for women particularly who want to thrive at work, but also in the other busy areas of their life like motherhood. (laughs) That is perfect. And I'm pretty sure that our podcast will be releasing hopefully in that open, when the enrollment is actually open. So if anybody's listening, definitely go check out that. Can they find a link to that in, well, I'll be sure to put a link in the show notes, um, but I'm assuming there's also links on your website and on social media as well. Absolutely. They're all there. Amazing. Well, Dr. Tracy, thank you so much for taking the time again to have this conversation with me. It's always such a joy to get a chance to connect with you. I'm just so grateful that we connected through this little app on my phone called Instagram. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Cassidy. I so appreciate this time. I really hope you enjoyed the information that was shared in this episode. Ready to build or grow your modern private practice? Click the link in the show notes for Modern Therapist Academy, a comprehensive e-course to support you in building and growing your private practice. Thank you for inviting me and my guests into your day. Be sure to subscribe so you can be the first to hear when new episodes launch. Have a beautiful, wonderful rest of your day.